Welcome, 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 everyone, to another episode of the Option Menu Crew Podcast. This is episode 42. Your crew members today are your default settings, myself, Ryan, and I've also got our language settings, Ed. Ed, are you sure you want to stick with the language settings? We started this gimmick with the hotfixes earlier this week, but we are certainly open to, to adjusting it over time, just as all options are adjustable. <laughs> uh, let me think about it for our next episode. Uh, I, I'm not that good at thinking on my feet so you kind of caught me caught me off guard on that one so maybe i need to put a little more thought into it for now we'll stick with that but i imagine <laughs> i can think of something better give it a little time no problem no problem yeah uh it's just funny to just get your reactions on on uh things i say unexpectedly so like kind of you know with our hot fixes on the on the tifa news i was, I was glad i baited you into that one <laughs> um but yeah so this episode of the podcast is going to be about remakes and remasters uh, in terms of video games and like what they are, what they should be. And there's been some exciting and very interesting examples of both remakes and remasters over the last couple years. And they really kind of pull into question like what's going, what, what, what the definition of these should be. Is it right for developers and publishers to market games in a certain way that's not maybe as accurate as it should be. And we've got a number of examples today. Uh, but before we get into that, we figured we'd start with just talking about some of the remakes and remasters that we've played, just kind of give a little list here. So Ed, go ahead and, and uh, start off with, with your list for whatever you can think about the top of your head or what you're gonna be like bringing up today. Well, as as Metroid is, is one of my favorite series, I. I have played the remakes of Metroid 1 and 2, that is Zero Mission and Samus Returns. I actually haven't played the originals. Um, I think I, I think I tried to play the or the very first one, and it felt too dated for me and its mechanics. And you know, there's no map, there's really no save system, so it's 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 definitely an old game. Uh, but those are probably my favorite examples just because I think they do a really good job of updating it and uh, you know, still kind of being faithful to the story, but adding new content that is meaningful and expands on it in a positive way. Another one that I played last year, I think we both played this, was the Near Replicant. It's not a remaster, it's not a remake. They called it a version upgrade, which is kind of a silly term, but... I think it actually does describe what they did with it because it did kind of make it better, but they didn't make massive changes to the original game. So I can, it, it's a good, it's a good term. Um, well, they, they, and did. Then, they did make some major changes. We'll get into that in a, in a bit. I guess. Yeah. I, I guess we can do it. We'll, we'll discuss it later. Like you said, and then most recently, and this was in preparation for actually recording this episode, I played and and just finished the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, I'm I'm still playing the the DLC that they added with the PS5 release, um, but but I I I I think we're we're good to talk about it. I you know the reason I played it was uh, because Ryan here has such strong opinions on it, and I and I knew that he he couldn't leave leave the discussion of the story out of this episode. And I didn't want it to be spoiled. I kind of wanted to go into it with a, uh, you know, a fresh, fresh, uh, fresh face. And uh, and I, 
I think it's going to be interesting because he, he comes to it with their perspective as a longtime fan of Final Fantasy VII, and I've never played the original, so you're, you're going to hear two sides of, of the story uh, with regards to you know, what, what we think about the Final Fantasy VII remake. And don't worry, people, we will give a spoiler warning when we start getting into games if we're going to talk about spoilers. With the Final Fantasy VII remake specifically, I cannot avoid spoilers to really uh, discuss what my feelings are and what my opinions and where they come from. So uh, don't worry, we'll give you ample warning, but we are telling you up front that that's going to that's gonna happen. So listener, beware and be ready for those, and we'll, we'll do our best to do that. Also, same thing for Near Replicant is going to have story spoilers uh, related to this. And maybe some other games, and it, we'll, we'll try and call it out when we think about it, but for the most part, if you've played the game, you've played the game, you haven't, and you don't want to be spoiled, you know, we'll, we'll try to give you room for it, but just be aware that we might be that might be talking about it because it might be relevant to the point we're trying to make. Ed, was there any other games you wanted to on your list you wanted to mention? I couldn't think of any off the top of my head. Ratchet and Clank uh, one. Oh, I guess yeah, Ratchet and Clank that is a reboot remake, but it feels it felt new to me because it had been so long since I actually played the original one on the PlayStation Two, so I, I couldn't even tell you how closely it followed the original. But that that is an example that I forgot. And I, as for the spoilers, I, I think if you're worried about any of the games I just mentioned and any of the games that Ryan will mention, you probably want to skip the episode. And, and you know, there's not really story spoilers much for Metroid or Ratchet and Clank, but Metroid does add new bosses and there are new kind of Easter eggs at the end. So, like... Depending on how sensitive you are, I just want to give you proper give our listeners proper warning. Yeah, uh, and you brought up uh, reboots, which I think originally was part of like our plan for this episode. But I think reboots themselves is, can be considered a separate topic. Um, remakes and remasters are a little more similar in terms of what they're trying to do. But I guess remakes and reboots also. So we we may spread that out. But I think remakes and reboots <laughs> will be a separate topic another time. Uh, after this, but some of our opinions are probably going to bleed out between the two. And yeah, we actually delayed this episode. I was ready to do this topic months ago, but out of respect for Ed, we waited till he got through Final Fantasy VII, at least the main campaign. He is playing the Yuffie DLC, uh, Integrade and uh, Intermission, but he has not uh, completed that yet fully, but everything I'm going to talk about, for the most part, is relevant to this, and he's all of that's basically new content and not uh, all that relevant to what I'm trying to discuss because I, I really don't take issue with what Yuffie is. Uh, in fact, Yuffie is kind of more of an example of what I think makes sense, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in, in a minute there. So, for my list of games, uh, most recently I played the remasters of Mass Effects 1, 2, and 3, which I enjoyed. Uh, I played Ratchet and Clank uh, 1, which was a re kind of a remake slash a reboot. And then um, I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, as those who have been following the podcast know. So I've played the remake of Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2, the remake of Resident Evil 3. Um, I've played the VR version to completion of Resident Evil 4, which in and of itself is sort of like a remaster slash thing. Um, I've played Resident Evil 4 in multiple iterations as well. So I've played it on its original GameCube release. I played it on... Wii, which on Nintendo Wii, which is basically a remaster, and then also played the PC version, which you uh, the PC HD version, which is also sort of a remaster. Um, 
What else have I played? Um, I played the demo for Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I basically looked into what they changed about the game. So while some people are going to say, well, you haven't even played the game, I'm like, don't worry. I know what this game is, and I'm a fan of the original. So I like, you got nothing on me when it comes to this one. Um, trying to think what other remasters. Like, I'm familiar with a bunch of other remasters, but I don't think I've played too much. Yeah, Near Replicant, of course. Um, Near Replicant V 1.2 and so on. Then, what else I've played recently that was like a remaster or a remaster of older games. Um, there hasn't been too many remasters, uh, now that I think about it. Remasters and soft reboots and stuff like that. I've, I've played more soft reboots than I've played remakes, I think. And remasters. I don't really revisit old games. Oh, that's right. I was also going to bring up for remasters. Um, I'm a huge Zelda fan, so I actually played the remasters of... And they're sort of remasters in the same way that, like... Um, not, not quite near replicant, but... Uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3D Edition for the Nintendo 3DS and The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask uh, 3D Edition. And those are basically remasters um, with, uh, with upgraded with multiple upgraded features and things, almost to the same extent as like Resident Evil 4 VR in terms of like they overhaul some core systems to make the game uh, better for the specific experience. And for 3DS, it's not just the 3D. You can play those without 3D. Uh, it's nice, but they like change character models. They changed menus. They changed interfaces. Fixed up some other in-game assets and models to make things better or different. Um, and did you did you play Wind Waker and Twilight Princess or uh, Skyward Sword HD? No, I've not played any of those. Uh, I'm familiar with the Wind Waker a HD uh, upgrades, but I have not played that. I'm waiting for it to come to Switch. Same with Twilight Princess. Like I do have a Wii U, but I'm not going to go back and pull that out and buy those games on there. Um, I was wait hoping they'd all come to come to Switch, and same with um. The, the, or though the Skyward Sword one I was thinking of getting because I actually enjoyed that a lot when I played it on Wii and then like kind of fixing a bunch of things and for the Switch release, I was planning on getting that, but I wasn't ready to play it, so I, I didn't buy it, as is my personal rule there. So I think it's time to get into it, and I guess let, let's talk with the easy one because I think remasters is easy. And we'll, we'll start with Near Replicant. So a little bit of spoiler warnings, but we'll, we'll talk about just the gameplay first. Because the gameplay is kind of where things um, are. And I can, I can say this, like there are two big story sections that were added. That's all I'm going to say about that right now. It's not a spoiler. There are two big story sections uh, that were added. One is in the middle of the campaign, and one is the, they added an additional ending. And for those who know what Nier, the Near series is about, like telling you there's an additional ending shouldn't mean anything. Uh, and that's, I, I don't consider that a spoiler. But if you're that tight, I'm sorry. That was what it was. Um, so without getting into details, Ed, um, the game, I guess, we, we can't really call it a remake because Replicant is an update of the original version and giving our listeners some history. And then Near Gestalt, which was also just called Near in the West, was a... It was a changed version, an altered version of Near Replicant. Because the character, the main character, he doesn't really have a name, but we're going to refer to him as Near for the purposes of discussion. Uh, and also a lot of the fan base just kind of accepts it as calling him Near. So the, the, the main protagonist, 
near. Uh, he is a teenager slash a younger young teenager at the beginning of the story, and he's the older brother of of a girl of his sister Yona, who who uh, has some health issues, and it gets the story gets into stuff like that. For the Western release, they didn't the the marketing team for Square Enix didn't think that character would resonate as well with the, the brother sister relationship, so they made the executive decision to overhaul that character, made a new character model, made it the father of Yona, and then also rewrote a lot of dialogue to be more to be a different tone. Now, I I thought for the most part the dialogue was one to one because they did still keep some strange dialogue choices and lines that would reflect more of like um of of near uh, papa near as we'll call the the older father near uh as a as a as a, as re the relationships he developed with some of the other characters on there that are not quite close in age with him whereas those lines as brother near make way more sense because they are meant to be like closer in age the character is younger so um, those are those are some huge alterations that they made for this, but it's more of a but that version didn't really translate. There is a portion of the game in which you do play as like an older as the older version of Nier in this new uh, V point uh, version one point two and so on update. But and they do have the voice actor, but that was DLC stuff that was added to the games later as like to add a little bit extra lore and a bit of extra gameplay. Um, so, you know, Ed, I, I'm going to stand here and say that it, it, it's a remaster because remasters are allowed to have updates and significant updates. But as long as the core of the game is the same, like they updated the they updated the combat because they knew the combat didn't feel good. And that's part of the thing there. Um, and I'll and I'll hearken to a, a loose example that I can't really get in too much detail to because I didn't play it. But Devil May Cry 3 uh, special edition, I think, uh, is the specific version. They updated that when they put it to Switch and made a huge quality of life improvement to it with um, instant style switching inside, like without having to go into the pause menu, which is a huge quality of life update and can basically change the way people play that game. So, I would say this is the same thing. Like this is definitely a remaster. So, what are your thoughts? Do you you feel like it is a remaster, or do you think it is something different and something in between? And, and that's fine, but what's, what, where's your take? You know, hearing your argument, I think I'm going to agree with you that it, it's a remaster because pr probably part of a remaster and, and is, and I, I think there's an expectation that, that you're going to make what they call quality of life upgrades. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you're taking a game from, 10 or more years ago, it's unlikely that, that everything in it is going to stand up as, you know, feeling good gameplay-wise compared to modern games. And I, you know, I, 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 I kind of was like, well, no, it's a version upgrade because I kind of like to, <laughs> I kind of like to go along with that, that official marketing. But remaster fits because I, I, you know, I played part of, uh, of Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, and I, I, I automatically thought of that as a remaster. So if I if I can consider that a remaster, even when they kind of change up the whole character building system from the PS2 original, then I, I think I've got to I've got to say that Near Replicant is a remaster. Um, but it, it's 
I you know I don't know how useful that distinction is. Uh, you know maybe maybe we say anything that's not like a complete overhaul is is a remaster. Um, I, I I think to be a remake, it's got to be there's got to be some level of changes made, and it I, I feel like it almost has to be like reimagined in a way. And uh, you know maybe maybe there need to be graphic and music updates. Like I guess there is a is a debate to be had there. Oh, I completely forgot. I also, um, I haven't played all of them, but I own the remasters of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I was going to ask you about those because yeah. I know you're a big Kingdom Hearts fan. Uh, didn't you tell me that you were going to replay them when they came to PC? Like PC for real, not at the game yeah. store. <laughs> On Steam is what I call PC for real. But yeah, uh, I did start playing the the original remaster release of Kingdom Hearts 1 HD back on PlayStation 3, and I almost beat it. And then I just kind of stopped. Uh, I think something else happened or came up or whatnot. And then I just kind of forgot to go back and beat that final boss. And then I'm like, oh, I got the other. I bought Remaster 2 with Rechain of Memories. Uh, and then the, all the other ones came out. And I bought them all for PS3. Then I rebought them for PS4. Bought Kingdom Hearts 3. And then I found out they were coming to PC. And I was just like, you know what? I should replay those just to, to go through them again and, and, and enjoy them. But I'm going to wait until uh, they are on Steam, and then actually replay them. Because those will be the definitive, definitive editions of the games, hopefully if the ports aren't that bad, but they're already out on EGS, so you know that gives them the year to polish those, look at player feedback, and then fix them up, and have the deluxe Steam release. So, yeah. Um, but back on the near thing, yeah, with, a re with remasters, I think the definition of remaster is pretty simple. It's, it's still got to be the core game for the most part. Like, it's the same engine, it's basically the same graphics or whatnot, but there can be updates, especially since we've got we've come so far from like what generations we typically are remastering. We're seeing, uh, you know, PS2 games can get significant updates, and even PS3 and stuff, which is where, in those generations of consoles, we're seeing upgrades. But it's essentially the the same core game. Usually, all the features are put together. Stuff's tweaked, bugs are removed that weren't caught before, couldn't be updated, um, especially in like the days before like DLC and the and uh, patches. So I think like and, and playing Mass Effect, the Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition collection. So with that one, like they did some major overhauls to like graphics and a bunch of like uh, well, uh, significant but a few gameplay tweaks to like the first edition of the game because of the way its combat worked in terms of like it used to be kind of dice rolly I guess with the with the hits like there was an area of effect and then it was dice rolls based within that reticle and now it's a bit more of actual like shooting style and they had to like go back and change that but that's that's kind of a quality of life slash game feel there um and then other, everything else was all visual plus things getting like merged in uh and cleaned up a little bit and we're not getting talk like okay i'll pay lip service to the some of the censoring and changes that they might have made to like camera decisions there but ultimately those are for taste and whatever it's it's not that big a deal like you want to go see those original scenes look them up on youtube and what they took out change nothing about the plot change nothing about the story if anything it just like i said it's a taste factor and i don't think it's a big deal uh in my opinion that those changes occurred but some of the other things where it might be more related to um you know actually framing things properly or like bugged out cameras like that's good like they should change those things they should make sure that everything that was on the original vision that was actually part of the original vision and not just unintentional um now i'm not gonna say that uh, I, I will say this, though. I think it's kind of a shame that the original versions of the games, in some form, 
don't get brought over. Um, I have to applaud the uh, Halo uh, Halo One uh, co- Halo Combat Evolved um, Enhan- Anniversary Edition, where they basically have the game rendering in both the enhanced graphics and in the original old engine, and you can just switch between the two at the press of a button. That's really cool. And I think that either doing something like that or having the original version of the game as part of the package makes a lot of sense because allowing people to see and compare how these things go is great. And actually, the more we talk about it, now I'm remembering. I played um, The Last of Us 1 remaster uh, from the, the PS3 edition to the PS4 edition, and then it had the unlocked, or I, not unlocked, but it went up to the 60 FPS frame rate and that made a huge difference and being able to see like also higher resolution and things like that because I think it was like 720p on PS3 so it was like up it was like 1080 and upscaled um on PS4 and it just makes a world of difference and in, in, in both good and some sketchy ways because of you get to see the limitations in much more uh in much more clear detail with with what they did and didn't accomplish with uh with those games and the rumor is that Last of Us 1 is being remastered again with a PS5 edition, which is weird, but whatever. Somebody's going to do it. Maybe that's part of their plan for like their multiplayer re-release or things like that. Um, we'll see. But yeah, like uh, more to like what you were saying, Ed, like Metroid, Samus Returns. They, uh, it's still called Metroid Samus Returns for the 3DS remake, right? Um, I think the original is called Metroid 2 Return of Samus. You're right. You're so right. Metro- Metroid Samus Returns is a, is a little different. Thank you. And it doesn't have the two title in it. Thank you. But you're right. Metroid games don't usually have numbers in their titles. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, that right there also, it's like it, it wouldn't have been that hard to put a Game Boy game inside that. It wouldn't have cost like any extra. It would barely have cost any extra card space to put that in there. And maybe they would have had to figure out how to scale it and emulate it. But no, you, you can buy it for like two or three dollars on the eShop on the 3DS. Ugh, so but, that's why. but it would have been nice if they included it. Yeah, and that's that's another thing, is like the preservation aspect would have been nice. And people are still clamoring back for the near replicant, is like they want the near the Papa Near version and they want all that stuff brought over. Now who knows? Square Enix might be working on that and be trying to do a version, another update for it, and I think that would be smart for them to do it as like a good homage to this, especially the way the Nier series continues to garner a bigger and bigger fan base. So bringing more interest back to that game by seeing like, hey, here's the thing we did when it was on, when we thought like just Western and you get to see these two versions of this game. It's pretty cool. It's, it's kind of like how Nintendo did Legend of Zelda and there's like the Master Quest version, which I think is the original Japanese version. And then there's the Western version or the universe or the global version or whatever you want to call it. That's the one that we played originally. Um, with the certain puzzles and things like that. So it, it while they're basically the same game, the changes they made to like the stages and, and puzzles and, and whatnot is significantly different enough that it's like it's a whole different challenge. It's a whole different thing. So I yeah, I, I think that would be really cool if we saw that more with remasters. Um, but that's uh, that is something, you know, like you said, they, they try to resell these games. They want you to buy two copies of these games. They always want you to continuously rebuy them. You don't get just updates, but with this digital world of, of patches and updates and, and bundling things, it, it makes less and less sense that they, they separate these things and don't let people kind of get the full experience together with these. Um, 
Although like it's worth it's worth noting that Mass Effect the originals are backwards compatible on the Xbox. So if you did have them or I'm not sure if you can buy them digitally, but at least if you have the disc, you can play the originals and and they'll be somewhat upgraded in visuals. So yeah. they are available, just not included. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then, yeah, there are the bundles. So it is like great that Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 were all put together for like the price of a single game. And that's these three amazing games all put together. There are lacking some features though, like the multiplayer mode didn't get pulled over. And that's always kind of sad. Just like how um, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep had multiplayer modes on the the PSP version, the original PSP release, but those didn't get carried over as well. And while they would have required some like online servers and stuff like that, I, I wish they would bring that over. Oh, I did. There was another remake slash remaster I did play, Final Fantasy uh, Type Zero from the PSP to PS4. Um, I wouldn't call that a remake. That is definitely a remaster. They did a lot of changes to it, but once again, left out co-op gameplay, which huge, huge disappointment there. Um, redid all the character models and a lot of enemy models, um, but they still, and I think they had to redo a bunch of cutscenes too, but yeah, it was basically a, a PSP. It's the same game, just with a lot of visual upgrades and like a better frame rate and things like that. Well, actually, it didn't launch with a better frame rate at first. Uh, and then uh, even on PS4 Pro, I don't remember if it played at 60. Maybe it did. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a couple other examples there. I think remasters, is, is, it's pretty cut and dry. But I guess this is where we start to branch between what is a remaster and what is a remake? Like how far is too far? And so I'll use the first example here um, that a lot of people should be familiar with. And it's still considered the best remake of its time. Resident Evil 1, which is just titled Resident Evil. Resident Evil 1, the original version, received several revisions over time. Um, and then eventually, for the Nintendo GameCube, the game was fully remade, in which the core gameplay is still there. You know, you've got your tank controls, you've got your fixed camera angles, you've got the same characters, and the campaigns are basically the same. What they did was they took the settings, they completely redid the graphics for the characters, for the environments... Um, they took the gameplay, cleaned it up a little bit, added some new gameplay systems. Um, originally, you had your inventory screen, you had your guns, you have your ammo, you have key items, and you have to fit them all within your limited number of slots. Um, but then they added a new subsystem, which is the defensive tool system, and each character had two tools, one that was shared between the two, which was uh, a defensive knife for like when guys grab you, you can use these items, um, and they'll give you one free get-out-of-jail-free card and they're consumables you pick up from there. And then each character each had their own unique one that they also pulled, and so you stock these up and, and use them as you needed to hopefully dodge uh, or prevent enemies from uh, dealing damage to you and, and saving on your precious health items, especially if you didn't know all the secret hidden spaces for all the extra uh, gear and stuff like that. On top of that, they added, they, they kind of rearranged the way everything was laid out. It, it tries to be as faithful as possible, but rooms are updated. Um, some of them are, are in better spots. Some of the room's structures are a bit more modernized and a bit more realistic to like what it would look like in a real house, um, as well as they added some new areas and, and a new boss character that is part of lore, and it and created an entire extra scenario within it. And I mean, when I say a scenario for this game, these are meant to be sp speedrun games. So... 
it adds maybe about 30 minutes of extra content total to the to the full package. Um, if that, and I'm being generous, I, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so that right there is definitely a remake in, in full scale, as they've not only made significant updates. If they had taken the old one, the PS1 graphics, they didn't change the models at all. If they just maybe put in some new textures or some new coats of paint or whatnot, and just they didn't add any extra areas, um, updated the frame rate, maybe fixed some bugs, put in like the two control schemes or something like that that they did that they've done for like Resident Evil from the tank controls to the the 3D where you don't yeah where the way you point the stick is the way the character moves instead of having to do the tank controls. They didn't change that. They they did. I'm saying what a remaster would have been is something way way less than what they did with with Resident Evil One. So. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and like near replicant is probably the one where it's like the weirdest kind of like in between because they did change a lot of things, but it's still at the core. It's the same game. They just kind of prettied up a lot of the original stuff. Um, but remake one is like completely like rework the game, rebuild it, make it super pretty, but it's the same game. It's basically the same plot. Like new, and they did new dialogue and stuff like that. Um, there is like what's carried over is also reimagined to make it work. So, um, there's that. Ed, did you have any thoughts or questions about like, you know, the difference between a remake, remaster, or my specific, my first example, Resident Evil One? I I I think you're right. It needs to make uh, major changes, and honestly, if I if I play a remake, uh, I. I, I kind of like when they expand upon the original game. I think Metroid Zero Mission, the remake of Metroid 1, is an excellent example of a remake done well. It's got, you know, the maps all new. It's got new bosses, but they add an entirely, you know, and this is where spoilers come to play. They add an entirely new segment to the game after you uh you beat mother brain where samus loses her her suit she's vulnerable she's having to run and use stealth to avoid space pirates before she can regain it and it's it's really cool it's and and if you don't know that going in it's like a cool surprise and and it it adds to the story of the original game now metroid samus returns i think is also good but some of the changes are debatable and i think it also is working off weaker source matter because metroid 2 is really you know you just go you just keep going deeper and deeper into the planet and you have to fight the same metroids over and over again so you know certain boss p battles are repeated up to 10 times or more Ouch. so it, it's it's already at a disadvantage and and that that's kind of an interesting aspect to like if you're making they're remaking a game. How closely do you want to stick to the original structure? Uh, especially considering that the original structure might have like some serious flaws in it. Uh, and I, I, I'm trying to think, can you think of any other example where maybe they stuck too close to the original game to a fault? Yes. Um, and actually this kind of bleeds right into my example with like, Resident Evil 
to I'm trying to think of anything relates to the 3D ones because I'm going to talk a lot about Resident Evil on this and I and I kind of already have made a lot of these points when I was talking with Paul about them. Um, I think that like, and I would say this with all the Resident Evils like going forward is that Resident Evils kind of have this universal structure where it starts out really open and interesting and you kind of unlock different parts very very Metroid esque in terms of like you know revisiting areas and you get new items or keys and you work your way back and forth unlocking new zones but slowly as you go into different zones it funnels down to where they're much smaller and there's less exploration per and it's just kind of funneling you to this and then it's a lot more action-packed where there's enemies everywhere um, you have you've collected a ton of ammo especially if you played efficiently throughout the earlier part of the game and you're just funneled into these action sequences and also it follows like the same structural formula of like mansion sewer sub area and then the lab and i think that uh like resident evil 2 while amazing like its sewer section ended up being nowhere near as good and its lab section also ended up being nowhere near uh, or it, it both are good they're both okay the sewer section is actually the weakest the lab's neat but the lab is almost so linear you like you enter it you go to the one zone go clear it out come back go to the other zone come back and then you end the game there's not like that interplay of like going around between them so i i feel like with the two of them that that with this remake it would have been the chance to update that and make these areas a bit more flexible a bit more like explorable and a bit more like the first section so they're just every part's just as engaging um now i get that part of this formula also is lent itself to accomplishing their goal of having this speed runnable experience um but i think that in general like the i part of me thinks that they do this because they think that's what resident evil is and they need it to be this way that fans will expect it even though it's a part that people basically go like it um and i would also say this about resident evil 2 remake as well is that they're a they're a scenarios and b scenarios and actually they both stuck to it too much and didn't stick to it enough because in the original version there's the zapping system which is where like certain items and events played out differently based on the choices you made in one campaign and then loaded that data in when you started your second playthrough with the other character they the in the original things could play out pretty differently there's certain bosses that were completely different there was a couple different zones that were like not the same or whatnot and in in remake uh re the remake of two it's pretty much all exactly the same enemy layouts are the same item layouts are the same bosses are exactly the same except for each character has their own individual final boss and i was just like I, and I, I put a hundred and some hours into this game. So, you know, you can blame me for just drilling this in ad nauseum, but I was having a lot of fun in general. But it, it stuck out to me like I really it it really doesn't make sense that I have to be that this should be happening. When I play through as one, I wanted the characters to have I wanted them to be like, this is the defined path of what happened to Leon during his playthrough. And then here is exactly where Jill uh excuse me, Claire fits in during her playthrough and what's going on and they do that a little bit but they intentionally and that this is like in an interview somewhere they've said intentionally like they don't want a definitive like completely definitive canon they they want things to kind of be um flimsy and like you know basically what happens with each character in the individual events but how they fit in where pe where characters are and what's going on with each of them 
like they don't want a tight fit story for what's going on they want it to be kind of flimsy for the games so that's where i think with the remakes or they could have actually like tightened these things up and actually done this i would have appreciated it or expanded and and uh you know designed the areas in a way that's a bit more um less linear towards the end so i kind of get two big zones of like puzzle solving instead of just and now that does affect the pacing I will admit that. Like, it could change the pacing, and maybe for some people they'd hate it because I there's certain things that I don't like about pace, certain pacing in games, and there's other things. So, and other people may not completely respond. So maybe my idea is terrible, and the, this is the best way to go about things. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, that's what I'd say is in terms of you know sometimes they adhere too much to it. The old stuff that they think is a, a part of the identity, and they hold it for good or for ill. That's a weird, that's a weird debate because there's always going to be someone who does and doesn't love it. One thing I think I find somewhat frustrating about a remake or a remaster, particularly remakes, because I, I I think a good remaster where they where they clean up the graphics, have higher quality music, maybe add voice acting, make a few quality of life changes, something that really soft you know uh improves the experience i think that's always welcome particularly now that at least with the xbox and the playstation and has always been the case with pc but but you know the, there's the expectation that your games are going to continue to work so so i i want as many games as possible to come forward to these more solid platforms because I, I think everything from the past should be available, ideally. And I, I think it would be, you know, a perfect world. Anyway, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to go back to old systems. You'd have something that is high-quality update that still honors honors the original. So I, I, I always want to see a remaster. But remakes sometimes frustrate me because I feel like they can take away resources that might be better spent on developing a new title in the series um because because remakes to to really do justice and do something unique and meaningful it, it's not going to be less effort than you know doing a doing an original game you know i guess you you have the scenario written but you're you're probably gonna rewrite a lot of it and you're gonna have to rework the gameplay like it's it's still going from the ground up and I, I guess what I had in mind is I, I remember before Metroid Dread was announced, there were rumors going around that there might be like a Fusion remake, there might be a Super Metroid remake, and I would have been profoundly disappointed if that was the case. Um, partly because I don't think those games need to be remade, and, and I kind of think maybe they, they should not. I, I I think there's something special to them that... that is maybe a little sacred, and I'm I'm sure a lot of people feel that way about particular games. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But I I was I was really happy to see that they actually are moving forward with the series, and uh, I I I would almost prefer that unless unless an older game is really just, you know, I don't want to say anything's unplayable, but for me, some things are so dated that I just can't imagine going back and and playing them. Um, I I I, I kind of lean on this on the the side of you know let's have new games in the series let's let's keep moving the series forward 
um, as long as we make sure that people can play the original game in a polished form. Sure, sure. And I can respect that. Um, I think the point of a remake should be taking an old game that either, either A, was super popular, and it just is kind of, it's dated, but it's due to just the limitations of the technology that it had at the time. It was as good as it could be that, but clearly there were things holding it back. And like, we're going to get to Final Fantasy VII Remake in it, but I want to bring up a different example from something that's kind of, that's more like confirmed, it's a open secret at this point. And that, that is a thing. Like, I think the remake is taking a game that was good, but maybe it's been held back by some things and is, and then deciding, well, we're gonna, let's just rebuild the game with the new information we have now, the new technology we have now, and modernize it for the fans of that at the core, but also attract people who weren't into it because maybe one or two things are just not quite what they like. So like with Resident Evil, there's a lot of people that would be like, I don't want to play a game with tank controls. I think that looks dumb. These old polygonal graphics from, uh, from PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 uh, are not that great so it but then now you see like with Resident Evil remake one like that got a lot of attention but people are like I don't want to do tank controls and even like the 3d controls like I don't want to deal with fixed camera angles this doesn't make sense why are you doing it this way why is it the aim and shoot this work this way um, and then you have people who you know played Resident Evil 2 remake and were like I wanted the old classic camera angles but clearly this new vision is what resonates better with a lot of audiences and also has resonated a lot with a lot of fans. Then you get some bad examples. So, yeah, let me use Resident Evil some more for three and then the rumored remake of four, which is, like I said, an open secret. Basically, we know it's happening because of the leaks, but it's still going to be a little while before we, before we see it. And this also plays into the Resident Evil 4 VR version because that also addresses some of the stuff that I was thinking of um, in terms of what could be updated for. So with 3, a lot of people had issues because that game felt odd. It had it introduced a couple different systems that were weird. It had a dodge mechanic that didn't quite work as it should. It was it just wasn't quite as popular because it just felt like it was too much the same, but there was a lot of good ideas in it like oh, being able to explore a, ra a, a wrecked Raccoon City while the while the uh T-virus infection is raging, being chased by nemesis throughout the entire city while you're trying to survive and get through the plot. Like, all of this is cool. Um, then there's the different, like, action scenes and things like, or uh, not the action scenes, I forget what they call it, but they had a, a term for their, like, choices that you could make for certain scenarios and situations that led to different playthroughs because they're like, well, instead of doing, like, multiple campaigns, what we're going to do is we'll just, you can play through this campaign a couple different ways and see what happens and make choices for what path you take almost kind of like a Star Fox type thing. So, but it just wasn't nearly as well received, but a lot of people saw a lot of potential in it and thought, if we only could get a second chance, this game could get a second chance. Fix the stuff, fully realize that idea of having um, more of Raccoon City explorable in this wrecked version and also Nemesis chasing you. And it would be great having this pursuer enemy that you could avoid and they go away and they gave us like a tease of that with Resident Evil 2 remake with Mr. X and the way he kind of moves around and how he sometimes teleports you for very specific scenes but other times how he's just basically an AI with specific mechanics for when he can and can't detect you so you can kind of stealth around um, and then there's the optional fights and 
With Mr. X, the, you, the, in the original game, it was completely scripted when you didn't didn't experience, but he kept coming back, so it felt like he was chasing you, uh, or he like he was always kind of chasing you. And then the remake, they did make it like no, he's kind of optionally just around. And before you could like beat him, he was kind of like an optional side boss that every time you beat him, you got some rewards at least for it. And this one, it's just like he's an obstacle that you kind of have to work around, and you learn how he works and, and deal with it. And it was kind of like take that whole concept and build a game around it for Resident Evil 3. What they did instead was they kind of took Resident Evil 3 and then kind of designed it like Resident Evil 4. Like what if we just made it a bit more linear and shorter and just kind of did this? And that, that part of it is because they originally envisioned it to be Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes as like one package. And then eventually the games kept getting bigger and bigger and they decided to split them apart and that's how they got uh, split up and why they're now separate and why they are kind of the way they are and why some of the missing pieces are what they are because these projects weren't considered to be um, separate at first. And also they reuse a lot of assets and they're supposed to because you go to similar locations. Like the police station is, is the main thing in Resident Evil 2, but you revisit the police station in Resident Evil 3 in an earlier time frame before it's completely wrecked. And so... Resident Evil 3 got turned into more of like a straightforward linear game with only a few offshoots and like the very beginning area had some like multiple things you explore till you move through but each time you kind of get in get to a little zone get a couple things so there's like the, the city um, the city streets for a little bit you move through you do like a boss fight or two nemesis only chases you in like two sections otherwise it's completely scripted and then they removed areas from the game that used to be in there that at least added some flavor and had you going back and forth to more spots in the city. And then they, what they did is they expanded the hospital section, which was nearly not as big in the original game. So uh, that actually became a different, uh, a, a new zone. And so they kind of did what I was asking for, where like they introduced this new zone and where you get to explore it. But then they also trimmed down the return to the RPD, and it's a beloved location. So you go there, you play as a different character, you experience them from a different perspective, which in a, in my, in my uh, opinion, as a full, if they did a full actual like remaster of this, would have been like an entire separate side campaign where you play as this character to see all these different things. Like you play through Jill's and then you play through Carlos's and you just see kind of these different perspectives as two different campaigns. And both are like the size of traditional Resident Evil campaigns. But that's not what they did. And in a way that wouldn't have been the original, but as... Uh, I've heard other Resident Evil fans say like 3 Remake is so much more of a reimagining than it is a remake uh, that it, it's so different it's so different it's not really a remake because they pretty much toss out all of this all of the um, level design and just harken back to those areas uh, via the, the aesthetic design so that's that's super disappointing there um and that's a missed opportunity. But then there's like Resident Evil 4, which people think are is the golden cow of Resident Evil. And it is. It's the most popular Resident Evil game. Well, technically not. The Resident Evil 5 is better selling because of the co-op. But it's not as well regarded as Resident Evil 4 because Resident Evil 4 is, is still like one of the best action games, action third-person shooters out there. But it's a little dated in just a couple ways. And the VR version fixes these things. Now, from my perspective, I don't really... I don't think the graphics need a huge update, but obviously with the res with the RE engine you and the way like Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes look, 
yeah, you could totally update these games and they look super pretty and realistic. But that's not really my complaint there. With 4, I think they really only need like two quality of life features, modernizations, I'll say, to make those to make that version actually worth it. And they don't wouldn't even need to really change much in my opinion. The two things that I want is we don't need the tank controls anymore. Leon can't move and shoot. We've already proven with all the modern games, like you can do a move and shoot system that works fine with Resident Evil and still has tension. People already complain about the Wii version being too easy because aiming with the, the Wii remote or using like the mouse on the PC version is just makes you way too accurate and the game wasn't built around that. That's true. But that's not the problem. The problem is that if you're using these controls, you just adjust the enemy behaviors to compensate for that. So... Your player is more capable, so you make the enemies more capable. The enemies are already pretty smart and and uh, and and good to fight and durable. So what you do is you just make them a bit faster. They move a bit faster. Maybe add a few more, especially with the new technology. You can add in some extra characters uh, to the engine or whatnot. You might have to move it to a new engine. Maybe that's it. But I'll, doing the moving and shoot system, um, putting in the weapon hotkey system, I think it kind of changes the pacing. And you could already do this in. Resident Evil 2 proves this. You can pause if you want to to switch what you're equipped, but you also just have the hotkey so you can stay in the moment. So I think that's completely fine. So moving while shooting, make the enemies faster to compensate, being able to switch your, it uh, switch your items on the fly and have the four hotkeys for stuff to not ruin pacing. Um, and if I really wanted to get nitty gritty, there are some sections of Resident Evil 4 that people think drag on a little too long. The castle's definitely long, and it's crazy. And then the island section, which is the final section, a lot of people think is like, this is so much of a shooting gallery. It's really kind of linear. It's it's not all that, you know, Resident Evil-y. It's, it's, it's weird. It's funky. And there's some parts where I'd say, like, yeah, let's trim it down. Let's trim down some of these things. Let's keep some of the stuff that's really good. And let's just kind of, you know, trim some of the fat. Because um, there's still a lot of meat on that bone. Like, even if you trim out a little bit of the fat, there's still enough in there that's great. And the up the... Additional versions added the two Ada campaigns, the one non-canonical, the one canonical, and also have the Mercenaries minigames. Like, all this stuff is still there and creates, like, a solid package. So trimming out even, like, an hour or two of Resident Evil 4 just to uh, fix some pacing issues and get us past areas that people really didn't care about um, would make that game even better, plus the modernized controls. And then visuals is, like, completely whatever it is because the game is still functionally very playable. Um... And Resident Evil 4 VR addressed some of that. There are hotkeys based on like being able to grab certain things off yourself for, for like uh, a sidearm, your knife, your grenades, uh, uh, a, a power, a secondary firearm like a shotgun or a sniper rifle, things like that, um, and your healing item without having to go into the menu. So you had this, but you still need to go in if you wanted to switch between like your shotgun and your sniper rifle, um, your handgun and your magnum. You still have to go in there and your type of grenade you had to like swap which you had on your belt for you for for that stuff so i it, it but you could move and shoot um enemies could still be up in your face and it still was fun i haven't played through i'm thinking of playing through it on the hard mode to see if it's any better and i actually with the dynamic difficulty stuff that they have in the game i played through this game without upgrading any of my guns um or very little i think i might have upgraded one or two things for like ammo capacity um, but I didn't upgrade any of the power and the game just to kind of compensate for having my better aim and moving while shooting. And the game honestly was still a challenge. I'd only died a couple times, but I'd also played that game like over 16 times previously. So I know where everything is. It, it's, and you don't unlock the hard mode until after you beat the, the main campaign. So I couldn't start out in hard mode, which I totally would have done. 
So, yeah, um, people get weird about what they want in a remake slash a remaster and what the reasons are, uh, and they differ wildly. And so, you know, before I launch into my big Final Fantasy VII remake discussion, you know, Ed, what about you? Where, where's some of your thought? What are did you have any more thoughts on like remakes going too far or things you wouldn't want to see? Like, what's your main reasons for not wanting something to be remade? I think sometimes it's frustrating, can it? Because it can just feel like a cash grab. Um, you mentioned that Sony is rumored to be remaking The Last of Us. Part you one. know the first one part one yeah. and they released a remaster on the playstation 4 which you can play on the playstation 5 that's just there's no excuse for that i i i guess like maybe they find a new audience i i wonder who's asking for that but it'll probably sell um another example is like grand theft auto 5 having a a version for like the third generation in a row because that was on playstation 3 and 360 ps4 and xbox one and now it's on this this new generation so um it also kind of begs the question of you know should you expect upgraded graphics to a degree just to be included as an update um you know that's not that hasn't been an expectation on console uh, before this current generation because the architecture of each console has changed so drastically that it really requires a lot of development time to to improve it but you know on pc where it's been x86 forever you don't pay extra to get higher graphic settings at least not yet maybe we'll try to do that so it's like on console why should you pay extra to have a game run with you know slightly better lighting or or a better frame rate you know you get that for free on pc this it's so, sometimes i feel like a, a remaster at least nowadays should just be like a free update um and and i i i wonder why so many people are always clamoring for like their favorite game to be remade or remade. you know they it, i you always i always read on you know, if I'm reading a comment on Reddit, people are like, why don't they remaster this game? It would just be free money. And <laughs> I, I I guess I'm just thinking about it from the financial side of things. Like sometimes it makes sense for the for the developer, but I don't know if it's a pro-consumer thing. And I, I, I think sometimes gamers are being a little generous when they're saying, you know, remake it. I'll, I'll give you my money right away where... I you know I I think the only generations that that have a lot of games that in my opinion don't hold up too well are the NES generation. I think a lot of those are hard to go back to. You know, I've played a couple of the, some of those games on the Switch uh Nintendo Switch Online app and some of them are fun. You know, I I I played some stuff is timeless, you know, Dr. Mario, you can play any version of that and it's it's the same game. It's the mechanics are you know, very fundamentally solid. But like I said, Metroid, that's hard to go back to. And I think the PlayStation 1 generation has a lot of games that, you know, maybe mechanically they can hold up, but graphically you're, you're in this very early uh, era of, of 3D games where I, I, I can't get into some of these polygonal models. You know, we're, we're going to, after this, I think we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. But I, I I didn't play the original, and I think a big part of that 
uh, is is the graphics to me are 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 not a, not appealing. Um, I, the other major thing I think is random battles. I'm, I'm kind of like over random encounters at this point, so it's it's hard for me to go back to a game where I don't have any choice uh, as to whether or not I want to fight a group of enemies. But the graphics of that era, I just I find it hard like to look at any game and be like, yeah, this is good. I, I want to play this now when there's been so many improvements, like even the generate, the leap from the PlayStation one to the PlayStation two was, was massive. And that's, that's kind of where I feel like that's the cutoff for me in terms of 3d graphics of like, I, I, I still think this can look modern if they up the resolution, maybe clean up the textures. Like the, I don't think you have to do a lot for many of those games to still look good, but Oh, it's it's tough, but I, I guess I for most most recent games in the last ten or twenty years, I don't I don't want to see a full remake. Just just bring it forward. Yeah, it'd be nicer for stuff to be ported forward because that's a bit different, and that's that's basically what remasters are is just kind of bringing things forward with some good tweaks or updates to them. Um, and also, you know, to your point before about like people clamoring for their games to be remade, I I mean. People don't even need their games remade. Like people rebuy the Nintendo fans, especially their creature humans are creatures of habit and nostalgia. So people like to go back uh, and rebuy the same thing over and over again on whatever their current device is because they don't want to have multiple devices. And some people do, but that's a that's a smaller version of, or excuse me, a smaller group of people than uh, like you know. There's a bunch of fans that like they I own the Switch now. Like I don't want to be plugging in every single generation of Nintendo and pulling out my cartridges and pulling out those controllers. I want to be using cuz like I don't think we can argue the Joy-Cons feel better than just about any other controller before that. I don't care about you GameCube fans and what you say about the GameCube controller. I get it. I was there. That game is still flawed or uh, excuse me. That controller is still flawed by modern standards. The Pro controller, the default Pro controller even though I have my issues with it is still way better than the GameCube controller. And like you were saying, so that PlayStation 1 generation, N64, there's so many games that like the camera controls were limited to the, either the C buttons or other stuff. And it just like, that is a system that it was in desperate need of a right analog stick uh, so for something better for camera movement. And while it may do, it's like Ocarina of Time, the whole reason Z targeting was uh, invented was because it's like, how do you control the camera and keep while controlling your character and keeping focused on the uh, the enemy. And they're like, oh, why don't we just make the system so the camera locks on to them and they become the point of focus. So you your character's always in screen and it's, you know, your point of interest is there. And that was an innovation that only came out because there was no right analog stick. And it still works great even without, um with, with a right analog stick because it helps with not having to manage it, especially with action games where you need to be taking your hand off your thumb off the uh the right analog stick to use some of the controls and stuff and now we see games moving away from relying on the face buttons as much so your thumbs can stay on sticks and then the shoulders and stuff are your main action buttons so yeah i i think part of that's people's habit of wanting to like you already know something's good so just give me a better version of the thing i already know is good and that's kind of where i'm i'm getting into with Final Fantasy 7. Uh, how many how many times just before that? How many times have you bought Resident Evil 4? GameCube? 
we PC. I don't believe I bought it on any of the consoles other than GameCube and Wii. Original release, Wii version, which was a combination of the GameCube and the PS2 version. Then the PC version, I'm pretty sure. Oh, and uh, Resident Evil 4 VR. So, but that's like a significantly. That, that's version. not bad. You you pretty much bought each <laughs> version because it offered something new. So, like you know, you had the controls with the Wii version. You had up you know HD with the PC version, and then VR. So, well done on your your sensible purchasing and not buying it in every system. Uh, Ocarina of Time. I I've acquired that in multiple ways. So. I've got the original release. I don't have the gold cartridge. Sorry, guys. I wish I did. Um, the 3D version. But in between that, I also... I believe it was with Wind Waker. I got the pre-order version, which had the game, which had a GameCube disc, which you could play Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and Ocarina of Time Master Quest. And then I think they also... Well, I know they did, but I forget if it was also a pre-order bonus bundle thing or if it was a separate purchase where they also sold Ocarina of Time and Master Quest as a separate pack on the game. Uh, I'd have to double-check those. but that So that game, and I haven't repurchased I'm not going to get the Nintendo update, uh, the Nintendo Online update to play that. It, I'm Either they do a full remake or they port that 3D version uh, upgraded to the Switch with its tweaks so that way I can buy it on there. That's the only way I'm going to do it uh, again to buy those games is they make those changes because the 3D stuff is unnecessary. Give me that right analog stick control and you know um, some of the other modern controller commands on there. That's, that's, that's my terms, Nintendo. So, yeah. I, I, uh, and then if you want to talk about like rebuying games, I guess... Now, Kingdom Hearts would be the next closest because I bought the original release for that. Then I bought um, the PS3 re-release of the version, and then I bought the PS4 version of those. But I did do the bundle of alts. Oh, and then I bought them all again, the digital editions of them, because I had them all physical. And then there was a huge sale, so I bought the digital version so I wouldn't have to use the discs anymore. And um, like I said, I'm planning on rebuying them for PC. So that that's closest. I guess like four is kind of my magic number for, for repurchases. Not that I could. They, they were giving away those Kingdom Hearts games that you could buy, like all the games, including Kingdom Hearts three, for like twenty five dollars uh, digitally. I so I, it's like it's like you you couldn't afford not to buy them. I believe I bought the non Kingdom Hearts three collection because that didn't really exist for like thirty twenty or thirty bucks digitally, um, and then that was right around the same time that I think the Kingdom Hearts three DLC was coming out. So then I bought, then I spent money to get Kingdom Hearts 3 digitally plus the DLC and then played it. So, um, and that, and part of it is my fandom where I was like, I want to, I've bought the, all these games physically. So I'm just going to have the, all the physical editions and then I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to use them. So I'll just buy all the digital. Uh, I still have my original copy of Chain of Memories for Game Boy Advance. Um, I don't think I have anything to play it on though. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I have a copy. I don't have a Game Boy. I still have my 3DS XL, so I can play Kingdom Hearts 3D if I wanted to, but there's no reason to go back and play that uh, on this original format. It, it's much better to play it on a console or um, uh, on the a PC. So, yeah, there, that, that's about it there. But I think it's it's time 
to get into the big meat of this section because this is the one that really questions what's a remake and what does it mean when you're lied to about a remake. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Here is your chance. You can turn off the recording now. You can leave the episode or you can, uh, I mean, basically the episode's going to end, I think, with, with this. So if you have the chance to beat it, you can always come back and listen. Otherwise, um, the, I don't know what the timestamp's going to be. I'm not going to insert it. I'm sorry, people. Uh, uh, I apologize. But you've been warned. Uh, this is my courtesy thing of spoilers are going to commence from here on out with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, and the original game as well, if you haven't played any version of that. Um, so, I, I hope this was enough. And so, I'm going to count to th count down from three, and as soon as that is, that you're now in danger territory. You have been warned. Does that feel, <laughs> does that feel uh, like I've been polite enough, Ed? I don't even think you need to do the countdown, but we can do it for fun. Going to do it for fun. Hi, uh... During my rant talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake, I accidentally started spoiling Kingdom Hearts 3, so I just wanted to add in this extra note that I will eventually start talking about uh, significant plot details in Kingdom Hearts 3 if you care. So this has been added in uh, in post to, to uh, make up for that. Thank you so much. Three, two, one. Final Fantasy VII Remake is the biggest lie that I've ever seen in terms of marketing. That's not true. But it is an incredible lie that they have told people. Because this is not, Final Fantasy VII Remake is not a remake. First off, when they announced that it was a remake and they were breaking it up into parts, I was livid. I'm still livid. And I admit I'm fully, like, this is me just being petty. Like, this is just petty nerd rage for everything about this. Um, even after I go through my full opinion. But it, it, but I. This is just how I feel because Final Fantasy VII is great. It made it like at the time it was a fantastic game. It's a fantastic story. Its gameplay was good, but you could clearly tell that they had to pick and choose where they had their graphics capabilities and there's certain things about the game. And I don't find turn-based combat fun anymore. Ever since I played Kingdom Hearts One on PS2 and realized that RPGs can have a party and can have magic and do their attacks and do all these things without any of the turn-based stuff. I was forever like, turn-based is, is garbage. I don't need any of that. I can have real-time action all the time with all the same RPG trappings, and it feels better. But Final Fantasy VII Original is still great for its time because of like the Materia system, uh, the open world, all the mini-games that you get to play throughout the adventure that really make it feel like this larger-than-life thing. It's like Grand Theft Auto. It's like Red Dead Redemption. I'm going to specifically say two, but like these game, Final Fantasy VII is a huge, practically open world game with so much to it. It really is kind of like a linear adventure that's just kind of coat that's just kind of meshed into what looks like a big sandbox. But that's the way it feels, and so much stuff is in this game that I get it. It's a daunting task to remake this game. And it was a bold decision for them to, ch to go away from the turn-based combat to the real-time. But that's what I wanted. And I couldn't understand why they were going to break these up. And I'm like, okay, they're just covering Midgar in this first section. That makes no sense. Well, call it part one. Like, just call it part one. You know you're making more of these games. Just call it part one so people understand it. That was the first thing, is that it felt dishonest that they were even telling people that it's just Final Fantasy VII Remake, but it's not the full game. No other games like that. No other remake is just a part of the original and then broken up. Now, Ed, 
just currently in your opinion, like let's take, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a big game that you, you like. What's a, what's a big game that you like? Oh, how about red? How about red dead redemption? I'd like to see a red dead redemption remake of the original. Okay. Um, so what, I, what if they just only remade the part before you go to Mexico? Oh, I don't know how so, long that is. It's about half the game. Okay, let's take a little bit. Let's let's go a little bit further. What's like? What's like five hours of Red Dead Redemption One? I because I that's the thing. I was gonna say near because we both played that story, so we know what that story's like. Um, so with Near Replicant, this is like if they said they're we're gonna remake Near Replicant, but the first game is just part one before the time skip. Ooh, that would be bad. But we're going to flesh it out. That town is going to be bigger. There's going to be more NPCs. You're going to do go more in side quests. Like, it's part, but it's part one. Like, yeah, but to, f to flesh that out enough to be a full game would make it near, re near unrecognizable, which I guess is your point. Good pun, by the way. <laughs> near unrecognizable. <laughs> that, that can be the subtitle. That mm -hmm. can be the subtitle. Mm. Mm. Yes. Um, but now you get it. So, and that's the thing, like you and I were going back and forth. We, I, we, we, you agreed to hear out some of my opinions so you could kind of think it over and, and preps for this. And I'm, I'm kind of re repeating stuff a lot to you, Ed, but to our audience this is the first time I'm going, uh, going all out on my opinion here and putting it all out on the internet. So that's what they did with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, granted, it's still a fun game, but at the same time, it's not a full remake. They are not doing one-to-one. -one. And that's fine. They, they, I expect changes. I expect them to delve into characters. I expected fully animated cutscenes and voice acting and a new combat system. And I expected to learn more about some of the side characters and things that were going on behind the scenes and some of the expanded lore being mixed into this adventure. I expected that. I didn't expect them to eventually to add in a whole new plot element and go, it's no longer a remake. Which, as you now know, Ed, is the, the Whispers. The Whispers are these arbiters of fate that are, there to, uh, that are there to try and maintain the timeline, and they're trying to stop people from messing with it, so all the events happen as according to the fate, so that way ever, the world can be saved at the end the way it originally was. Everyone needs to meet each other a certain way. Certain events need to happen in order for things to play out in the proper way so that way the planet can survive. Um, and in a way, it's a it's a metaphorical example of the fans of the thing of like, this is what we want. We're trying to preserve this because we, we love this. And then eventually the whole part, end of the story, the end of part one is they're gone. No longer are you controlling the fate. Things We're allowed to make anything different. Anything new can happen. Yeah, you, you kill the Whispers. Yes, or Sephiroth absorbs them or whatever. They become a suit. They are a plot device to say we are done with remaking the, the, remaking the game. We're no longer remaking it the way you thought we were. We're going to, we're making a sequel. This is a, or a redo. It's a remake. I call it remix. It should have been called Final Fantasy VII Remix because this is what it is. Because it, it remakes and redoes so much of what is in the original and faithful to it but it is ultimately going on a path that diverges. And it's 
The next closest thing I can kind of say is like how, uh, well, A, the Hobbit movies, because that was one source material that was then broken up into oh, three pieces. those were awful. And, I hated yeah, the Hobbit movies. They expanded and added and whatever. I haven't even seen oh, them, so I don't even, and I don't. They're bad. Have you, do you, you, did you read the original book? Uh, yeah, when I was younger. Same here. I read it a long time ago. I remember nothing except the key points of like, you know, Gollum and Bilbo and the, the ring and all that stuff. Uh, and the and Smaug. Other than that, I don't remember anything, so that's bad. But that's what they what they're doing here is they like took one work of fiction and said, you know what, we're just going to explode this and fill it with a bunch of crap to make it three movies. And I was like, Final Fantasy VII could be three like two to three games if you really wanted to based on this. I'm not saying it's not huge enough to to do that. But what they're doing here is they're also changing it in ways that. It's no longer Final Fantasy VII. It is a new chapter of Final Fantasy VII and is meant to be like, so where do we go? Because you have, if we look at all the extended lore that there is, like the original is the original and then after that comes a bunch of stuff because like uh, there's Before Crisis, which is a mobile game. There's Crisis Core, which is the immediate prequel. Then there's Advent Children, which is the sequel movie. And then there's Dirge of Cerberus, which actually takes place after Advent Children. So all of that takes place and now... And apparently this was always the plan to do this. So this is a continuation. This technically takes place after Dirge of Cerberus. And it'll be interesting if they do any other time travel weirdness to tie into this being that much of a sequel in the future installments. Is that Sephiroth is going back in time in the through the live stream to mess with the original events to stop his defeat or whatever and whatnot. There's all sorts of fan theories. It's not 100% confirmed what he's trying to do. But we assume he's still trying to not die take over the, the planet and probably absorb the live stream. But who knows? They might change it and try to be like, I was trying to be a good guy all along and Jadova was this alien that was controlling me. Like, I would hate if they did that. There are some fan theories that are like that. I would hate it if that's what they did. We talked about the Aerith death thing. And I'll put my fan theory out there right now. I haven't heard anyone else say this, so I'm, I'm not, but I'm not going to say that no one else shares it. So that, that's not the thing. So this, I'm not going to claim this is wholly original, but I feel like this is... Um, but I, I don't recall hearing this from anyone else. Uh, for listeners who might want to jump down my throat for like, so-and-so said this already. So whatever. I, if someone else said it already and you heard it somewhere else first, cool. We're echoing a similar sentiment. I think they're not going to kill Aerith where they originally did. I think part of the thing is going to be like, Sephiroth realizes that part of the reason he lost was killing Aerith when he did. He was originally trying to mess with Cloud and get him to like, start helping him and break down his psyche. So killing someone he cared about was a great way to do it. Plus Aerith had like a connection to the planet that he thought would be like a problem if she was still alive. Turns out made it worse by killing her. So she was her soul being in the live stream meant that she was able to then use her influence as an ancient to influence the live stream. So when Holy failed to stop Meteor at the end of the game, at the end of the yeah, at the end of the game, she was able to summon her plus all the memories and plus everyone's faith alive, etc. Power of friendship summons the live stream and stops Meteor from destroying the planet. So he's going to go, oh, if she's not there, that she can't do it because she was inside that. Like the whole reason was because she was inside the live stream. So keeping her alive, um, we're going, players are now going to get to have Aerith throughout all of kind of the events that would have led up to the end of the game, which is what people would have wanted is like, can I bring her back? What can we do? But part of the plot is she has to be there. And then besides like that major plot point, 
character's development and dealing with like loss is a theme in the games and watching people have to deal with this and the memory of that and still carrying on. And that's something that multiple Final Fantasy games have dealt with. But that's another core theme there. So this is a new thing of like people getting wish fulfillment, but does it also creates this great thing of like, but if your wish means that everything else has to go bad, this one good thing happens, but everything else has to go bad, how do you deal with that? And that's kind of an interesting point. And my theory is that at the end of the game, what you're going to find out is that they can't stop Sephiroth or whatever it is, um, Genova or whoever, without killing Aerith. Aerith has to die. And I think that I will still be behind if that's the change because that still keeps in tone with the whole idea of um, the original, which is, look, things had to happen for a certain reason, and sometimes that's just the way it be. Life is not fair. And that's what makes like this. But we treasure the time we had, et cetera, and so on. All, the, all those literary the friends things. we made along the way. Sort of. You know, the, the journey rather than the destination. Anyways, now people are saying, oh, but you're, so you're okay with it being a thing. Yes, I'm not okay with being lied to. Because also, after Kingdom Hearts 3, which isn't a bad game, it's just that its, it's, plot, uh, it's plot beats are okay. Its plot pacing is terrible. The way they organize that plot, I completely disagree with. Like, siloing off all of the Kingdom Hearts stuff and also dropping in some like weird threads and not tying in some of the stuff that they were setting up with the mobile game before into it more to like actually the core plot of what three was supposed to be about. I'm completely displeased with, I get it. They're setting up for kingdom hearts four and going forward and doing a whole new set of, of games. I get that. I don't care. I wanted some more of this payoff to be here. And also like the Disney worlds was like, this is all like arc one or like part one and two basically. And then part three is all the other stuff where like aqua comes back. Ventus comes back. And then it's just like all the plot beats you were waiting for and seeing how things would go got held off till the very end. And I'm like, no, you should have been like, I should have completed like three worlds, then rescued Aqua. Sorry, spoilers for Kingdom Hearts 3 as well, I guess. <laughs> but you've been, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Well, I might have to edit this a bit. Well, no, I, I, I said at the beginning that if you're sensitive to spoilers, probably skip the episode. I, will, I guess we didn't we didn't warn them about Kingdom Hearts, so maybe I, you'll edit in a warning. I will. I'm going to edit in a warning at the end. I'll do a little message and cut that to the middle before we, we start everything. So yes, you fit, you save Aqua then up from the Realm of Darkness. Then she's like, we got to go find Ventus, and we have to figure it out. So you do like three more Disney Worlds. Then you go save Ventus. Because I was also hoping you'd get to play as them as like in between all the other stuff. And some of the DLC like fixed that too. But still, like, it was a pacing problem. And also, like, with Final Fantasy XV, the way they, like, did that, which eventually they made it good. And Final Fantasy XV is a good game with a good story. But it took them a while to actually put in all the details that would make it good, and it's still kind of a mess. So, it's a good mess, but it's still a mess. And that's why with Final Fantasy VII, them going, like, we're going to change it. I'm like, no, you have a good thing. You know why it's good. Don't change it. So if they would have said it wasn't a remake from the start, if they would have said Final Fantasy VII Remakes, we are doing something new with Final Fantasy VII from the start, I would have been a little displeased, but I wouldn't have been as upset because I'm like, oh, okay, they're not, they're not trying to remake it and they're not trying to change what the game is. They're, they're just doing something new. It's another continuation. Even I was like, I'll give, you know, I gave a Crisis Core a chance. I liked it. It's overall, I think it's good. It's got some weird, you know, once again, weird design decisions, but that's fine. Here's a Cerberus. Once again, not a terrible idea, but the game is like rough to play. And if they, you know, they don't know how to make third person shooters, 
So if they went back and kind of did that, I'd give it a second chance. Plus, it did have some questionable writing. It does do a lot of weird, super extra anime things that are not quite the same, like, grounded, thematic-based writing. I'm sure someone might argue with me on that uh, since I'm kind of behind it, since I'm kind of out of touch with, with Dirge of Cerberus. But I don't, I don't know, man. I don't hear much good things about, about that, so I'm, I'm, I feel kind of confident making that statement. Um, I, so I just didn't have a lot of confidence. Also, with it being broken up into parts, I'm like, what's the pacing going to be like? How much stuff are you going to give me? Because like the materia system and that that progression of like getting the materia, learning how different combinations work, getting more materia, figuring refiguring that out, and applying that to combat and like slowly growing over time. Like the summon materia too, which they completely overhauled in in remake. Very cool. But um, I guess that's the thing is you can have all your summon materia in part two and they're just going to limit it to certain boss fights. Like, you can't summon a summon unless it's this specific boss fight. But I think other than, like, the story doles out the specific summon, and, Ed, you can clarify this for me if you if you know, is, like, when you get to... After you've gotten, like, at least two summon materia, you can choose which summon you bring out, right? When it's a su- what boss battle you, that lets you, it, right? You equip a summon materia to each character, and... If you, if the summon meter is full, saying that you can summon someone, you just switch to the character that has the someone that you want to use. Okay, so that is at least free to you can use whoever other than like the first time you get the. And first And then summon. everyone everyone is able to execute moves. You know, the each summon will have moves that costs a number of ATB, but everyone, not just the person who summon summon the creature, is able to command the the creature to like do those moves. Yeah, in the original game, the summons were just essentially giant spells um, with, with super overpowered spells, and they also had certain passive effects that when paired with certain materia could be you know, exploited. Um, the, the whole uh, Final Act Phoenix uh, atta- uh, materia combination is infamous for like saving lives <laughs> so, and saving playthroughs, I should say. So that kind of stuff there kind of gets questionable, and I just don't know what Square Enix is going to do. So currently, I have refused to play Final Fantasy VII Remake because I, until it's all done, because it should be one adventure. It should have been just one game. But they're also not remaking it, so I'm also upset about that. Now, I, I understand people would criticize me. Well, now that you know it's different, why can't you just enjoy it as a new thing? I'm like, it's the principle. They're not giving me the thing I wanted, and, it's, and they're still calling it the wrong thing. Like, it's... And I don't, and once again, I don't want to waste my time with that game because they padded so much. And you know, like there's a bunch of side quests and things like that. And I'll make my decision on what the I. The side do quests do. aren't that bad. I, I I actually liked some of them just because they were pretty low effort. They were kind of a little sure. fun story, and you got good rewards from them. So for the most part, they were like ideal side quests to me. There's something to like keep you busy. You get a few things that you'd want to earn from them, and they're not like. They're not like near replicate sub side quests where you're just running all over the world and in some cases you get nothing. So they, I thought the side quests were pretty good and they also do a good job of, you know, when there's a new chapter of side quests, there's a menu that has like question marks for each of the side quests that's available. So you know when you've gotten all of them. And in the last chapter with side quests where there are more than the previous chapters, 
a couple of them kind of overlap in that you get rewards from one of the side quests that you need to complete another side quest. So even though there's nine, it's more like there's six, like the previous chapters. Yeah. So they're not bad. Sure, sure. And I also just don't want to waste my time with progression. I've played plenty of games where, and I mean, Ed, you know this with Metroid, you constantly start off from the beginning with nothing, even though Samus ends a previous adventure with like tons of power-ups. I'm just kind of over it, and I don't want to spend a ton of time in that game accruing all these like special abilities if in the next part they're going to take away a lot of them and just be like, no, you're starting out fresh because we need to, we're just resetting the progression in order to have a video game. And I'm just not going to waste my time to get through the adventure. And I will totally come back and admit to people like, hey, yeah, I played a bunch of side quests. Or if the next part I find out carries over everything, it's like whatever you earn gets to come over. You can even get a chance to earn stuff again if you really if you missed it. Like, But, you know, your progress is respected. I will totally go like, that is cool. I appreciate that. I respect it. I spent more time with these side quests than I thought I would. You know, I was wrong about this. I really enjoyed it. I will say that. I will do that. But right now, I'm not taking that chance because I don't care. And there's plenty of other good games that are whole complete products that I know are good. Tales of Arise is amazing. That game is so much game that I'm like, I look at it and go, and Square is afraid to do, do right by Final Fantasy VII as a remake. I don't understand it. Like, it blows my mind. Um, and it's something they should... And now people would also say, like, games are hard to make. A game that big takes a long time. They've said it in interviews. Square Enix has said multiple times. It is such an impossible project to take. I'm like, no, it's not impossible. It takes a lot of money, but you know you're going to make that money back. Rockstar does it with Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption. They put in tons of money and do that. You guys have the money, and you should have been working on it for years and taking your time to get it done. You've done it. You've wasted your time on several other games and things like that. You have the infinite money machine that is Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy XIV. I don't want to hear it. Yes, I get it that Avengers flopped. Whatever. You have the money. Final Fantasy sells. And a Final Fantasy VII remake is going to sell bonkers. Everyone who owned it before, you're going to re it's going to uh, buy it again. On top of the fact that a whole bunch of new people have always heard about it and maybe to do it. Uh, the, the gaming market's bigger than ever. By that nature, so many more people are going to play the remake. You would have made the money. I don't want to hear anything about the money being due there. People not wanting to do it, that's a whole different thing. I get it. It's daunting. If people didn't want to do it, I get it. Um, that I, that yeah, I can't I, argue I, with. I think um, Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation 1 was like the number two selling game on the system. Behind, I thought I, I could have this wrong, but I think it was behind like one of the Gran Turismo games. Like it, it was huge. It was hugely popular. And and maybe you're right that by splitting up into parts and not being honest about what they're actually doing with the game, they're hurting their ability to sell the game. You know, may, maybe if they actually put the effort in, did the you you kind of sold beyond that. You you said Red Dead Redemption, and I'm like, Red Dead Redemption 2 was awesome. It had like everything, it was huge, hugely detailed, all, amazing scale, great great character story like it was the whole package and and imagining what that could look like but final fantasy 7 remake it's it is kind of sad that you don't have what 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 could have been and maybe that would be a huge seller whereas you know they're not willing to take that risk so they're not going to get the full reward that they could have gotten 
Now, you can also call me a weirdo because I'm willing to let them make certain compromises because I respect, like, the way the game is has to be designed and pacing. Like, um, Nino Kuni, uh, I, I'm not sure about two, but I know with one, like, there was an overworld and stuff. The Dragon Quest games, I think, still have, like, an overworld with some sort of, like, chibi designs and things like that. Like, I'm okay with them doing some sort of facsimile to not have a, a true open world. I don't need a true open world, despite a lot of people go, well, if you're doing a full remake, it's got to be a full true open world. No, no, I don't need that. And in fact, like Final Fantasy X, where you just kind of, you got in your uh, in your ship, and then that just basically became a fast travel menu. I'm fine with that. I don't really mind. Like, you have to have some open zones and some areas, of course, and respect that, so you're walking around just like you did kind of in the original. But I don't need, like, an absolutely filled open world that's, like, Red Dead Redemption size or even Final Fantasy XV size. And Final Fantasy XV's open world was actually incredibly sparse when it came to actual content in there. So that, um, like, I'm not saying they have to go incredibly crazy and super dense. And actually, I'd say probably make it smaller because a lot of that area is just kind of, like, negative space. And that is a design thing. You have to balance the negative space to make the positive space important. But I wasn't, I wasn't going crazy and being like, it needs to be this Red Dead Redemption level or like Grand Theft Auto where there, every space has something in it and there's something you could find. Or even Cyberpunk is a good example at this point of like this super hyper-dense area with, with tons of nooks and crannies. You could like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need that as a fan, and I say that as a fan. I need just like the core of the game and the story to be there with the pacing as it was intended, the mini games for the adventures to ver- vary up the gameplay a little bit. I'm not saying you need everything. Performing CPR on a little girl if she's drowned, like that's neat. But I, I could also say like you relegate that to a cutscene. Good on you. Uh, whatever. But like the the motorcycle thing, the uh, snowboarding. You you played Fort Condor and Yuffie already, but that was. That's not supposed to be a board game. That's supposed to be an actual RTS thing where you're actually commanding troops to protect a tower. Uh, it is literally tower defense. Um, things like that, I, I, I find it weird. Uh, like th- Those are the kind of things I do want, and I realize it's a lot of work to make those things again. Then the chocobo racing, chocobo breeding, etc. Whatever. So... I, I liked all I liked all the mini games in Final Fantasy VII remake for the most part, and I don't. Yeah, they're great. I, a lot of times I find mini games annoying. Like Final Fantasy X is like the principal example of a Final Fantasy with really annoying mini games, especially like quests for the mm-hmm. you know for those celestial weapons. But I I thought most of the mini games of Final Fantasy VII remake, e- even Fort Condor was kind of fun, yeah. and the squats and the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I could have I could have gone without doing the motorcycle game twice. I think once would have been enough. But mm. for the most part, they were fun diversions, and I was surprised that I liked them as much as I did because I'm not usually into mini games. Yeah, and I I say this is an underappreciated. It is a flawed game, but it is underappreciated for what it was trying to accomplish. Final Fantasy set, uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, the Crystal Bearers, which was a Wii, essentially, uh, Square Enix trying to make a Zelda Final Fantasy game. Um, it has a lot of, like, minigame action sequence things that I think are really good, and I was like, this is great. It, this game needed more polish and probably deserved to be on a different system, but it, it was, uh, overall, I think, like, it had some great ideas, and I'd love to see them revisit this, and maybe I'm going to get some of that in Forspoken. I don't know, but... Actually, I think I am. Now that I think about it, I'm like, oh crap! They, this is this is it. They're they're giving me what I want. Anyways, um, yeah, I always thought that game, and that's something I'd also recommend people. Like, you don't have to play it. Go ahead and, and look up some videos of just what that what kind of game that is. Um, it, it's pretty neat. It's a very interesting piece 
of video game trivia, in my opinion. So I, I'm just waiting until Final Fantasy VII Remake Saga is completely finished. Um, I may even buy the whatever previous parts right before the final part to lay to uh, play up to and get ready for that final part to be released so I could play the saga straight through. Um, keep an eye on whether or not there's like a full trilogy or quadrilogy, whatever complete series bundle of it for me to play it. And then I, I can't, we can't finish the conversation there without talking about Ever Crisis, the mobile game series that they're putting out that is going to be the other side of it. Because that's the big thing. Like people are like, well, no, we want there's there's the faithful fans who want the game the remake to be like Resident uh, Resident Evil One remake, where it, no no same core game, just prettier graphics, add a bit more content and tweet tighten up some of the stuff. Now I bet some of those people would also have liked voice acting and maybe some fully acted cutscenes, but they still want like the fixed camera angles, walking around the areas with little dudes, break going into random combats, fighting. Go into the higher detailed models, use the materia, turn-based battle system, etc. And so, from what we can see, we're kind of getting that in Ever Crisis. But once again, it's going to be highly episodic. Probably going to have gotcha elements to it. Um, the battle system is probably going to be extremely butchered uh, in some way. And while they are going to expand and expand and contract on the lore and make a and like basically revisit the entire lore of Final Fantasy VII, uh, the Final Fantasy VII world. We have yet to see, and there's no reason to put faith in mobile games, especially after reincarnation. Uh, near, yeah, near reincarnation's first chapter is awful. Um, although I guess I don't know what the, I don't know what they were going for with near. Like, there's no gameplay to it. It's 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 almost like a visual novel, in that you just you go from battle to battle, and you can auto battle your way for the most part through each one, and and you don't even have to use use the you know they have a little uh, control stick that's on screen, but you don't have to do that. You can put your character on auto, and they'll automatically walk to the next battle. So it's it's uh, a weird weird game. Yeah, not sure what they were going for with that. Maybe they were just trying to crank out a near project. Um, but then again, and I have to give credit where credit's due, the Dissidia Opera Omnium mobile game is pretty good. I was not a fan of the episodic thing. Uh, it felt like it was just bleeding out. But I did like the battle system for the most part. But it did get gotcha grindy towards the end. And I just, I didn't feel like keeping up with it. And I think that's a problem there, despite all the stuff that it just like, it ends up not being nearly as fun to keep up with it. Then um, the Kingdom Hearts, uh, King Hearts X or Chi is the official pronunciation of that new uh, letter, whatever, for this title. But Union Cross, we'll call it that. Kingdom Hearts Union on the on the mobile platform. That, they added a bunch of story. It led places, it went places. It meandered for a while, of course, but there ended up being important plot points that they put into it. Thank, thank God for YouTube and being able to just go on, or I should say online video streaming in general, and being able to just go and watch the parts that matter or the kingdom hearts fan sites that would translate stuff and put up the scenes and the dialogue that mattered uh translated so that way you can understand at least the plot beats that are going to feed into the console games is like that whole mess of a of a lore for kingdom hearts as well which is also a problem but yeah uh i i think the gameplay in that is trash in my opinion it's trash i don't know how other people feel about it but it's pretty i think it's pretty simple and very gotcha oriented but whatever i haven't delved enough into it to know um, exactly if it's actually got some meat to it or if it is just totally like clicker st like 
two steps away from a clicker, you know what I'm saying? So uh I tried. I tried it. I I wasn't it didn't grab me. <laughs> so we'll see. And I try and I tried near reincarnation, didn't grab me. So I'm willing to give Ever Crisis a shot, but it's probably likely that it's not gonna dig its claws into me. I will definitely watch a few YouTube videos of it, and it turns out it's like actually like good, and it's just like all of the crappy stuff is if you want to replay it and do weird stuff, sure. Um, but I'll give it a while, because I don't really feel like going chapter by chapter and only playing for like an hour or two of gameplay. I, I think there's a number quoted out there, but we'll see what it actually is like when it finally launches. Um, and that too is also going to be protracted, probably leading up all the way through whatever the remake saga is. So... Yeah, that, that's that's where I stand right now. It's very disappointing. I don't think the game's bad. I'm just, as a fan, like, it's not what I wanted. It's still not what I wanted, and I think that the way they're going, I don't, until they do it, I don't have faith in the direction they're taking with it, despite, like, the excellent soundtrack, the excellent combat, the, the excellent acting and, and script writing. Like, I, I give it all these props for this stuff, but it's still just a bloated, it's still over-bloated, and there's, there's still a huge chance for them to fumble going into the next one. We don't even know if it's truly open world. They haven't revealed anything about it or committed to really anything. They're still figuring it out. Like, they don't have much of a, a plan for it, despite the fact that really all they had to do was take the original thing that was great and just update it, rebuild it with better graphics. And that's with better graphics and maybe some modern gameplay. But their face, and I get it, it's a huge game. Once again, like Resident Evil 2 is also a big deal, but it's in general a much smaller game than what Final Fantasy 7 is, or any of the Final Fantasies, really. So, yeah, um, Ed, to, to start, to cap this whole conversation off, uh, we, little, we went a little bit. So now that you've played Final Fantasy 7 Remake, you've heard my argument, you've had your own experience with the game, and you've played a little bit of Yuffie. Which I say, so the Yuffie content, in my opinion, even once you finish it, you'll see, that completely is like something I would expect in the remake of like, oh, you get a completely new chapter of the game of just adding on. This is something that happened behind the scenes that you were just not privy to, and now we're just fleshing it out and putting it in. So like, completely makes sense to me, and I would expect that to be in a remake. And actually, if perhaps they had trimmed out um, the extra section, because don't they do like an extra Mako reactor explosion with the motorcycle guy and whatnot? Uh, in in the main campaign or something like that. Yeah, you blow up two reactors. I think do you not do that in the original. I think you blow up. No, I think you still blow up two, but I thought that you blew up three in the remake or something like that. I think you like. Uh, I don't think I. I maybe I'm misremembering. I don't think you blow up three. Okay, so then let me revise it because you have mentioned this. If they had made most of the dungeons fifteen to twenty percent shorter took out what's-his-face, although he's kind of fine, he, he fleshes out the lore too, and added in the Yuffie DLC in time for that. Much better game overall, much better package, in my opinion. That's what it would have been. Um, so, yeah, where do you feel Final Fantasy VII Remake, the as it's titled, the game, falls in terms of it being a remake or something else? I don't... I think it's kind of a reimagining. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a re it's a remix. It's a reimagining. It's it's one of those. It's not a remake. It is a that is the it being called a remake is a lie. Uh, some people did also point out before like other games haven't been called remake. Like Resident Evil One remake is just called Resident Evil, and Resident Evil Two is just Resident Evil Two, and Three is Three. Although the original game was Resident Evil, th uh, Resident Evil Three Nemesis, 
And so original Resident Evil, or I think just Resident Evil Nemesis. I don't even remember if the number three was in the official title for, for that. But same thing. is like, oh, well, clearly. But there are games that say remake in, in the title. Like the Legend of... Oh, no, what was the... Uh, second, hang on, I'm going to Google it quickly. But they recently put out the game like not too long after that came out, after Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, and it was titled Whatever Remake. So, video game. Thanks, I'm Google phone. But as to your question is whether I'd want them to make the dungeon shorter, I was mostly okay with the length of each of them. The only one that really dragged on for me, the only chapter was chapter 17, where you were in Hojo's lab and you had to like go through all these trials where like all you're doing is going through doors and fighting a bunch of enemies. And, and there really isn't even any story to that other than like Hojo is this crazy scientist and he wants to like discern something from your battles. It, it, I don't think that added too much. I'm not sure why they, they spend so much time. They had you spend so much time on that chapter. The game I was thinking of was Panzer Dragoon. Remake. They actually call it Panzer, Gra Panzer Dragoon colon. Oh, so, um, let me see if there's any other games with remake in the title. Video games with uh, title. But I, I, I liked the game. I'm glad I played it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I, don't, I, you know, I not chose really. not to play the original game, but maybe I'm okay with that decision because I, I, I kind of would, wouldn't want to be so jaded the way you are that I couldn't even enjoy the game for what it is. Because I, I, I thought it was a fun game and the characters were very likable. The voice acting was good. Like it, it really brought me into the world. So I, I think I got a lot out of it. I just, maybe I'm, I'm better off not having tons of expectations going into it. And, and I think like in general, even if there is a remake and, or, or, or any game, like if you go into, uh, if you go into playing a game and you have all these expectations of what it should be and how good it's going to be, I think you're bound to be disappointed. But I guess it's understandable if people have their own idea of what they want. But sometimes I think that's going to hurt your ability to enjoy it. Right. And I guess the core of my uh, pettiness comes from them just lying. I don't appreciate them calling it a remake and it not being a remake. I feel so like if they, if they were honest, you think you would play it? I probably, I probably would have bought it and played it because I'd be like, oh, okay, it's a new Final Fantasy VII thing. Is it good? Oh, it's good? Oh, yeah, I'll play it. I played the demo. I was impressed. Uh, the PS4 demo. Um, and I claimed the, the free version on PS Plus, which now has the upgrade for, for PS5, so I could totally play it at 60. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll install the demo and just play through the demo portion again. Uh, oh no! I don't think the demo got upgraded. It would be the full game, um, but I could just you play could just that first you could just fight. play through the first you know until yeah. you blow up the reactor and escape. Yeah, the, that's uh, pretty much the demo. De defeat the guard scorpion. Yeah, um, that'd be that'd be funny for me to do. Uh, I don't know if I'll do that, but we'll we'll see because maybe I'll be waiting to see if that'll come out on PC version. I mean, I'm once again, yeah, it's out on EGS, but that's not real. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, once it's out on Steam. Then it's then it's real. So, 
We'll see. I don't even know if they fixed the issues from from that installer. And it was funny because they saw when they were looking in the code that there was like leftover code for the Steam edition. Uh, so we all we know it's coming out. Like it's it's just Square Enix and Sony being weird. Um, that ga- I don't know if that game will come to Xbox. Hopefully it does, but uh, it'll at least come to non-epic places, uh, non-epic game store places eventually. So. Oh, and then you can look forward to the. Oh my god. I apologize for this pun, but there's no escaping it. The Final Fantasy VII Remake Cloud version on Switch. <laughs> Maybe they'll call it the Cloud Strife version. Yeah, I I hope they don't do that. I'm tired of, of them attempting to put cloud games on the Switch. Either, either port it fully or don't do it at all. That's my opinion. <sighs> but yeah. I think we've exhausted that topic right there, but um, yeah, like reboots and stuff, I think it's a bit different, and I think it would have been maybe like another footnote. Like we probably could have talked about that for another fifteen minutes, but we'll save it. We'll 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 think it over. We've got a bunch of other topics on our mind, and of course we've got hot fixes going. So uh, we hope people are enjoying that, and we look forward to discussing more of the news. We're having fun with that. Uh, apologies also on the the scheduling. I'm hoping this episode will go up on time, but the other episode. Uh, is going to be a little late and by the time you hear this of course so apologies for that trying to figure things out between covid social life and just regular life in general it's 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 tough it's been tough so i hope everyone else is doing well we're, we're we're getting through it we're doing our best uh we hope you're all doing your best and we wish you well thank you so much for being with us if you listen please go ahead like scru- subscribe share uh we hope you're enjoying it on the different podcast platforms leaving reviews whatever um and until then be well and be safe. Bye.